Shawn Michaels walking around backstage helping you figure out how to wrestle? Are you kidding me? I'm hanging out with Luciano Pavarotti uh, talking about singing. Welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and I am feeling absolutely glorious this morning. Joining me to navigate the waters on this road to WrestleMania, the voice of NXT 2.0, the George to my Jerry, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word, my friend? Well, good day to you, Mr. Graves. I'm just more excited as we inch closer and closer to NXT Stand and Deliver, as we inch closer and closer to WrestleMania Saturday and WrestleMania Sunday. It's that season, and it just gets a little bit more exciting as the time goes on and we get closer to the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania in history. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Being completely open and honest as we do our best to be here on ATB. I just finished watching NXT 2.0 right before we sat down to start recording. So it's fresh on my mind. It was amazing to see Robert Roode return to his glorious entrance and persona. We'll get deep into NXT 2.0. There's a lot to get to, but before we get there, I want to say thanks to everybody that checked out last week, our very special Scott Hall, Razor Ramon tribute. I got a lot of great feedback. It seemed like a lot of people really had a fun time taking that trip down memory lane like you and I got to do last week, Vic. I got uh, stuff that was sent to us was artwork from people, people that shared their personal stories. And I think you talked about it last week, that it was an ability for you and I, uh, Alex, Dan, to come out and let loose a little bit, have a little bit of fun, celebrate the man uh, that Scott Hall was and the character of Razor Ramon. And I, I think that actually transcended to all those that listened. So thank you for the feedback. Thank you for all those that listened, and thank you for sharing your thoughts and memories on Scott Hall. No doubt about it. Scott Hall and Razor Ramon will live on in our hearts and memories forever. He will be present this upcoming massive weekend, the most stupendous two-night WrestleMania in history. We're going to talk about things that went down on Monday Night Raw, what may go down on Friday Night SmackDown. But as I mentioned a few moments ago, NXT 2.0 is fresh on my mind. Vic, got to be fresh on yours. It is, and look... It's interesting because I asked Wade Barrett, so I want to ask your thoughts on this. You take a look at the landscape of NXT 2.0, and those that watch NXT realize that some of the superstars have really only been competing for six months, seven months. We talk about Braun Breaker. He's had less than 30 matches. Tony D'Angelo, definitely less than 30 matches. 
And it starts to dawn on me. And I asked Wade, it has to mean so much to some of these superstars, men and women that they want to be part of stand and deliver. Cause look, stand and deliver, just to be honest, is the biggest show NXT 2.0 has ever done. NXT 2.0 right. has never left Orlando. It's now going right. to Dallas, the American Airlines Arena. This is going to be the largest audience, for lack of a better term, that some of these talent have ever seen. And they all have that feeling of, I want to be part of this. I don't want to be left out. And I think you had to feel kind of the same thing when you were in NXT. And it's got to be that butterfly nervous feeling inside a lot of their stomachs right now. Oh, the butterflies right now in, in guys like a like a Braun Breaker or even a, a Tony D'Angelo. These guys are going to get their first taste of the massive spotlight. They're not butterflies, bro. They're pterodactyls right now. But as I was watching NXT 2.0 uh, this morning, it it started to draw comparisons in my mind and remind me of what the genesis of NXT felt like. There was a weird transition period, and very rarely does a, a company or a brand go through a full-blown transition on television. Usually a television show has an off season or you know you write a character off and then you come back next season. WWE, as we all know, 365 days a year, year round. There is no off season. So to transition from what we knew and loved NXT as to what NXT 2.0 has become, to me, watching this week sort of felt from an outsider's perspective, like it's beginning to hit its stride. And it reminded me in a good way of the earliest days of NXT. To your point, we're still not familiar with a lot of these characters. Most of these characters are not veterans of the game, with the exception of a Tommaso Ciampa or Dolph Ziggler, who will be joining us shortly, the new NXT champion. Uh, you don't have a ton of experience in the ring on your screen. And of course, you've got uh, Gunther and, and Imperium and a lot of guys, guys who have been world traveled. But just as frequently, you've got someone like a, a Tony D'Angelo or uh, on the women's side of things, uh, Tiffany Stratton, who is is in this business green as grass. But you can almost enjoy watching these characters evolve and find their footing and, and grow as superstars. And the superstars you see this week are going to be slightly different next week. All the way up to the top, Braun Breaker, for example, improves in the ring each and every week, and he's only going to get better working with somebody like Bobby Roode, working with Dolph Ziggler, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Braun right now is insulated by veterans who will almost ensure he succeeds and continues to improve, if nothing less. Uh, but then you, you, there's going to be tweaks. To me, I'm watching Tony D'Angelo. I'm a fan of what the guy does. He moves really well in the ring. My my biggest criticism right now, got to get rid of the hair. The full-on Italian thing to me, I, there's just a weird disconnect. I'm like, man, Tony, cut your hair. But beyond that, I, I dig it. He's different. He's fresh. It, it, it's a character, uh, but he handles business in the ring, and he's got a big-time opportunity at Stand and Deliver with Tommaso Ciampa. So back to my previous point, like a brawn breaker, you only improve, even in defeat. I mean, that, that's one of the oldest adages in this business. The only way to improve as an in-ring competitor is to spend time with someone who is better than you, who will make you better and force you to step up your game because you will either step up your game or you'll become a colossal failure. So watching all of these talents still kind of finding their footings, they're still sort of raw, no pun intended, but it reminds me of when 
we began NXT. And yes, you had Seth Rollins. And, and, and granted, the, the roster at the time had a world more experience than most of the guys and girls on NXT 2.0 do by the time we arrived. We had FCW. We you know, had guys coming from around the world who had traveled the world on the independence, and it was very independent heavy. Now we don't have that. This sort of feels like the early days when you would see uh, you know, a Leo Kruger one week and who next month is Adam Rose, or you see just the, these developments and, and these changes, and, and it really gave me that vibe this week more so than in weeks past because it's kind of like the whole thing's begun to gel from my my perspective. Would you agree? You bring up two great points because, um, look, all, taking the headset off, I did the independence. You know, I had a chance to travel the road and to see someone like, and I'll use someone that you haven't mentioned, Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller came from Australia. Grayson Waller was on Survivor in Australia. Grayson Waller really didn't have a background in sports entertainment. He gets to work with someone like AJ Styles. AJ Styles comes from Raw. He gets that rub, you know, and is able to learn. And now look what Grayson Waller's been able to do as those weeks have progressed. Grayson Waller's a guy who stands out to me. Again, I, I've met the guy in passing. He was on Raw for, a, you know, a week two or two. Two or three weeks, yeah. Uh, but this is a dude who I, I'm a fan of in that he's not afraid to be a bad guy. He is obnoxious. He To be a prick, lack of a better term. He's, he's not afraid to be a prick. He isn't. And when I find myself knowing what I know about this business and still getting lost and going, God, I want to punch this guy in the face. That's good. You need that because live in a day and age where there are very few people who live to embrace being a villain. Even the bad guys like to do cool stuff and, and secretly, because I think it's a characteristic, you don't want people to not like you no matter what you do in life. You were built to want to be, adored and liked, not hated. Grayson's, I think, done a really, really great job of leaning into it and going, no, this is what I am. I'm a bad guy. And hopefully you're going to pay your money to watch somebody punch me in the face. And when I beat them, guess what? You're going to give me more money to hope the next guy beats my ass. And it's lather, rinse, repeat. But there are, I think, a lack of true villains right now, uh, up and down all of the rosters and in the business as a whole, because it's not cool. People want to be the bad guy wrestler who's also putting on amazing matches, who wants to sell T-shirts. And it always reminds me of a story JBL told me all the time about when the JBL character was in full effect, when he was world champion, and he would come out with the limousine with the long horns on the front. And the merchandise department would say, hey, JBL, what do you think about this design? What do you think about this sort of merch? And JBL, probably to his own expense, to the cost of his own uh, financial benefit said, I'm a bad guy. People shouldn't be wearing my t-shirts. They should be wearing the t-shirts of the guy who is trying to beat me up. Enter John Cena, enter Batista, all of these, but you need that villain. And I think, and he's not there yet, but I see Grayson Waller on his way to being a truly dislikable, dare I say, hateable character on NXT 2.0. And I think that's great. It's wild that you bring up that JBL story because I think of Eddie Guerrero, I think of Rey Mysterio to add two more names to the list that you had. That's a characteristic that is lost in anyone right now in this day and age in what we all do is they want to make money. They want to be famous. They want to have the merchandise. But to connect with the audience, and we've talked about this a lot, 
sometimes you got to sacrifice something. And I think that is somewhat of the mindset that Grayson Waller has. I want to throw this too at you when it comes to NXT because you brought up something that I, I think is very interesting. NXT at its core, when you bring up Seth Rollins, yourself, uh, Big E, that group, uh, Roman Reigns, the list goes on. That was on the WWE Network, not on network television. We were actually, I believe, on Hulu before before the WWE Network even existed. because And it was for a very short period of time. It's it's insane. I mean, I remember NXT Arrival, which to to us internally was this life-changing event. We were going to have, and I remember it was broken. My heart was broken at the time because I, I was injured. Uh, notice the recurring theme <laughs> in my career, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I never, I'll never forget the the heartbreak and the sadness that I felt not being a part of NXT arrival because it felt like such a, a seismic shift in NXT. It was then that we felt that's why it was named arrival. NXT is here. Here is this new crop. Here's the future. And via the WWE network. Now this, this segment of our audience now had, brand new superstars, often whom they had never seen before unless they followed the independence. But it was a, a real tangible vibe backstage that, hey, we're for real now. For so long, we were the redheaded stepchildren all the way back to FCW. I've talked about it many times. It, it was it was like a, a dream almost, even though we were being paid by WWE to be on television. And then we had our local Sunshine Network deals that I, I think, I don't even know if I got the channel that, that we were on in FCW. Um, Arrival then made all of these big dreams and aspirations real. And the lead up to that was like, okay, we're here. We are all ready to step up. And I hope for everybody's sake in NXT 2.0, they have that same mentality, realizing what stand and deliver could mean to them, not only for their individual careers, but for NXT 2.0 as a brand. Because this is a chance for everybody now to say, hey, here is the arrival of the new crop. Most of the guys who were on arrival are either no longer in WWE or are to your point, your, your big E's, your Seth Rollins, uh, you know, all, all of the, the staples of raw and SmackDown. So this opportunity for stand and deliver for all of the guys and girls in NXT is massive. And I hope they all realize because not only is this NXT 2.0's first foray into a, a, a live environment of this size, the live crowd, you you're leaving Orlando It's WrestleMania weekend. Every wrestling fan in the world is going to be in Dallas if possible. It is truly the Mecca this coming week of our business. Every year, you've got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of fans who, who, maybe they're not even going to WrestleMania, but they're going to be in Dallas, the celebration of the sports entertainment business, the pro wrestling business, whatever your flavor of ice cream is, it all goes down. So, NXT stand and deliver have the opportunity to grab the attention of somebody who maybe not isn't a fan of Raw or SmackDown. Maybe maybe they're you know they they love their independence and that's all they want. But people are going to watch. The eyes of the world are going to be on NXT 2.0, and I hope everybody who steps in front of that curtain realizes the opportunity in front of them. And they start to make their mark, for lack of a, of a better phrase, a week from tomorrow in Dallas Saturday afternoon and they're feeling it, man. And that, that goes back to the original question. A lot of NXT talent are starting to feel it. They realize the gravity. They realize the opportunity in front of them. They're very excited. Everyone is working their hardest to be part of stand and deliver, but there's a name we keep bringing up 
Seth Rollins. And I got to admit, I was actually a little afraid for you, Jimmy, not so much Byron on Raw when Seth had his tantrum at the end of of the night. And I, I got to I don't want to be crass, but look, sometimes you just don't make it. it, it ha- LeBron James doesn't make the finals every single year. Seth Rollins lost in the tag team title match. Seth Rollins lost to Kevin Owens and Edge took things into his own hand this past Monday in Seth's match against AJ Styles. I get it. Sometimes you don't make it. Sometimes you don't have that match. He's had the opportunities. And this is, again, headset off. I'm watching it. When do you look in the mirror and just say, okay, sorry. I mean, there's there's plenty of things that could happen still. But when do you take it into your own hands and say, mm, not going to happen? Well, first of all, I'd like to preface this next statement by saying, Vic, if you don't believe that Seth freaking Rollins will find a way to be part of WrestleMania weekend in some capacity, likely a large capacity, you're a fool. Well, that's why I said we know anything could happen in the next week. Anything can happen. But let's be honest, as we do, this is this is after the bell. This is when we can talk and we have a little bit more liberty than I do on Monday nights or you do on Tuesday nights to discuss things. And if you are listening to this podcast, most likely you follow the internet wrestling community. You follow the news and rumors that run rampant, most often misguided, but you follow and you know there is a certain rumor that is rampant right now regarding how Seth is going to end up at WrestleMania. I can neither confirm nor deny because I am not part of the business end of things. I, for one, if the rumor does turn out to be true, could not be more excited, more stoked. But let's talk about what we have tangibly to deal with right now, which is what actually has occurred on Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, pertaining to Seth freaking Rollins not having any chance at WrestleMania. Seth can be creative, but there are still a few options out there. Okay. Omas is looking for an opponent. Omas is a dude who, who has dominated and decimated everybody. And we were talking earlier about working with somebody with more experience to really level you up on paper. It may not be super exciting. Seth Rollins versus Omos, but if anyone can pull the best match possible out of the giant, it's Seth freaking Rollins. That may not be the, the grandiose plan that everybody wants to see. I for one feel that Rollins deserves a bigger, better, more highlighted platform at WrestleMania, particularly after doing the Lord's work for the better part of the last year. I mean, everything Rollins has touched has been unbelievable, but it reminds me of a few years back when John Cena didn't have a match at WrestleMania. I believe we were in New Orleans. New Orleans, yep. He sat front row for the Cruiserweight Championship match uh, that I was calling at the time, and he was sitting right to my right. Yes, he bought himself a front row, second row ticket. Had a beer, as a matter of fact. And Vic... Do you recall how John Cena's night played out in New Orleans? Yes, I do. John Cena found himself standing toe-to-toe with the dead man. Now, I'm not one to stir up rumors and speculation and certainly not one to rile up the internet. Oh, yeah, that's not your MO. Yeah. But there happens to be a certain undead Texan who we know for a fact will be present in Dallas, at least Friday night, because he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Not the likeliest scenario, so don't get ahead of yourself and, you know, run with this speculation because it is mere speculation. But if anyone can pull one 
epic last ride, pun heavily intended, out of the dead man. How about Rollins? We saw we saw the Boneyard match with AJ Styles, which for all intents and purposes was the ride off into the sunset for the dead man. But you can never take the wrestler out of, uh, of the man. Dallas, Texas. Most stupendous two-night WrestleMania in history. Seth Rollins, one of the best in the business in the last several decades. Tell me Taker and Rollins couldn't be a fun route at WrestleMania. I'm not going to sit here and say that that doesn't, uh, you know, make me excited to think about that matchup. The Undertaker's last match, you talk about the Boneyard match, was not in front of the WWE Universe. Exactly. That's what I mean. If that opportunity presents itself, maybe Rollins should How call does he say out no? the dead man. Well, that certainly is. Are you going back on your bold predictions right now? Is this something you're throwing out into the universe to try to make happen? No, no. I, I Listen, I am, I, I'm not going to treat our listeners as though they are complete fools, only partial. I'm asking everyone to suspend disbelief, but I'm asking everyone to sort of, I'm asking for everybody to speculate. We do this from time to time. We like to rebook the territory, but how much fun could that be? And I'm talking within the story that we have been presented. Rollins is desperate for a WrestleMania moment, a spot. He's tried and failed numerous times. And this, this actually, as I'm saying this out loud, spawned another thought. This is WrestleMania weekend. To the point I made earlier regarding NXT 2.0, the business as a whole comes from around the globe and converges in one city for WrestleMania. There are going to, of course, be fans from around the globe, but there are also going to be talents from around the globe. So let's think outside the box here. Again, let's play, let's play pretend for a moment that the rumor that has permeated the wrestling world for the past several months is not what is going down. There are still plenty of viable options. Yeah, I got a, when you you think about, as you mentioned, those from around the world coming to Dallas, I have a certain friend that was the first ever Triple Crown winner in NXT that will be in Dallas. Stolen the show a few times on NXT's biggest stage. There's a couple of names that you do throw out there that could be very interesting because you never know. Never say never. Well, what about Rollins? He never specified he has to have a match at AT&T Stadium on Saturday or Sunday. He needs a WrestleMania path, which NXT stand and deliver, part of WrestleMania weekend. We're talking about the importance of NXT arrival. What if, and he's done it before. It was a few years back. Rollins show up on NXT? Maybe. Maybe Rollins shows back up at NXT. Maybe Rollins somehow finds a way into the Braun Breaker-Dolph Ziggler match for the NXT championship. Imagine that. Imagine having the very first ever NXT champion back in the fold. You want box office. You want tickets sold. You want the world to know about NXT 2.0 and what it has become from where it began. Having the face, the very first face of the brand come back to NXT. Ziggler's done it. We're going to talk to Ziggler in in a matter of minutes. What if Rollins' path to WrestleMania was through NXT? He showed up before at TakeOver, the year that he fought Triple H at WrestleMania. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. And in fact, that to me is going to make the lead up the next week at this point, the next seven days before Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania very, very intriguing because 
it doesn't have to happen on Raw. There's no rule that says Seth Rollins has to compete against a Raw superstar at WrestleMania. No, there's there's not. What about so let's let's throw another hypothetical out there. I'm trying to go through my mind, stand and deliver, and someone who just had an opportunity slip through his hands Tuesday, Roderick Strong. All kinds of possibilities. In this life, Vic, there are nothing but possibilities. And there is no one walking God's green earth who has lived that recently quite like our guest at this time. He is the NXT champion, Dolph Ziggler. So Dolph, Vic and I have spent the last few minutes discussing uh, how Seth Rollins is now desperate for a path to WrestleMania. And I had sort of floated the idea into the universe of maybe Seth following in your footsteps and heading to NXT. Uh, walk us through the madness that has been the past several months of your career because no one saw Dolph Ziggler as NXT champion, maybe ever, let alone right here and now on the lead up to WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, there, there's Everyone's asked me like, hey, what is this? How, how do you feel when people are like surprised? And like, surprised? I go, I came here to scout talent and two weeks later, I'm the friggin' NXT champion. I didn't, <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't in the cards. I, that wasn't even a, a thought process. I was like, uh, a, a little bit, it's hard to say because I'm constantly working. I'm never out sick, but I felt stale. Rude and I are really good at what we do. And it didn't seem like we're doing anything that important right now. It's what have you done for me lately? And at the moment, we're not crushing it. Didn't seem like we we're going to have a match on WrestleMania unless we made something happen. And then so we, we, we saw an opening and said, hey, let's let's try this out. Let's go see it at NXT. See if there's somewhere, because half the time, anybody who shows up from NXT, the first match is with me anyway, especially Rude. He even had the match with me. So now I'm, I'm going to cut out the middleman, go down to NXT, and start wrestling him there. But I, I really came to scout talent, see if a few people had some up-and-coming things that I could possibly work with down the line, and got thrown right into the mix. And uh, it's crazy. It's so funny. If you're surprised that I'm NXT champion, normally, like, you're surprised I'm the United States champion or world champion. Like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm blown away. I, I did not plan on this. I'm very happy to be in this moment with Breaker, who's got friggin' 20 matches under his belt, but somehow can go. He, he has this insane speed and power that uh, I've been speared by Goldberg. And I'm like, this guy, are you kidding me? And it's knocked the wind out of me, put me down. <laughs> and I'm like, good God, this kid hits harder. And I'm not even, not even making that up. Like that spear put me down. And I was happy to, be able to kick out and keep moving. But I go, holy crap. He's got that prime, in their prime of their career, linebacker, closing speed. And he just, for everything, not just for the spear, for every movement. And when he figures out how to hone that in a year or two or three, he's going to be someone who's kind of unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Now, I want to ask you, you're a guy who has become uh, a veteran in the locker room from WWE and you yourself, your developmental experience was back to the days of OVW. Yeah. Correct. And this, this is OVW, the same OVW that produced yourself, John Cena, Batista, Shelton, Benjamin, Randy Orton, the list goes on and on and on. And you yourself now are in a role where you've sort of been able to bridge the gap between the WWE's roster. When you first came up to now your, your scouting talent, What's the difference? What are the differences you see, positive and negative, as to what's going down in NXT versus how you came up through OVW? Uh, I'll I'll say all the positives first because there is a couple negatives. Um, positives, holy cow! This facility ridiculous. It is an Olympic training facility for up and coming developmental talent. Unreal. The chance that you have Shawn Michaels walking around backstage helping you figure <laughs> out how to wrestle? Are you kidding me? I'm hanging out with Luciano Pavarotti talking about singing like it's it's ridiculous that and there's 75 others that are here that have done everything that you can imagine in the business and they're just walking around freaking fit finley's here norman smiley you're like i want to ask them so many questions but it uh that part is amazing unstoppable unreal that blows my mind i appreciate the kind of the upbringing that i had to where it was you're on your own uh i didn't i wasn't in independent wrestling i didn't know many independent wrestlers. I went to Cleveland all pro shows and watched them, but I wasn't friends with anybody. I didn't know anyone in the business. And when I got here, I came not from independence, not from having a cool tryout. I was just, I was from college wrestling. I wrestled my whole life and I was a fan. Hell, I had a tryout with uh, Lashley right after I wrestled 165 for Kent state. And I'm standing next to Bobby Lashley. Who, who do you pick? <laughs> oh, I don't know who I'll pick here for WWE wrestling to, to be my guy. And so I was like, man, this sucks. But I, I had another chance to come back. And, and when I made it, I still, I knew Lashley. I had his number from our triumph. That's it. I didn't know anybody. I came in. I didn't know you were supposed to shake everyone's hand. I didn't know you were supposed to like, oh, people who are giving you advice, a lot of it's to screw with you so they can have your spot. And you're like, whoa, okay. And if no one told me that, I wouldn't know. I was just there to learn. And it's just, there's so many aspects of that, but it also made me DTA. Don't trust nobody. Watch your back. Be ready for er anything. And just know that you, you probably won't have a friend backstage or someone in a meeting rooting for you or trying to help you. You're on your own. So in that aspect, I was very much like this lone wolf for seven, eight years because I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know what to do. I just knew that if we had practice three or four days a week, I was going to go twice a day and try and get two years of experience in three months, nonstop, no days off, just so I could catch up because I, I didn't know any the ins and outs, let alone trying to fall down when someone punched you in the face and not breaking your own neck or stuff. 
you mentioned your amateur background and how that's ultimately what led you to WWE. Uh, obviously, the headlines all over the world. We've got Gable Stevenson drafted to Monday Night Raw, two-time NCAA champion, Olympic gold medalist. He's got plenty of credentials. Is this exciting for you to watch his journey? And is there any sort of advice that you would offer to someone in this day and age, knowing how the business has changed versus, to your point, the the lone wolf mentality that was sort of necessary when you first broke in? Yeah, uh, that's great, uh, man. Watching him, I don't know, was it 2 a.m. in the Olympics, just beat the former world champion or gold medalist <laughs> and like not sweating or breathing heavy, like, <laughs> uh, and then do a backflip, whatever, no big deal. Afterwards, like, <laughs> That is, that's mind blowing. That that has made me giddy because one uh, collegiate amateur Olympic wrestling doesn't get a lot of fanfare. Not too many people, you know, are constantly talking about like there's no March Madness brackets for wrestling. You know, it's for basketball. But it's seeing that combination and seeing like a little twinkle in the kid's eye, like he could have something special and be this unstoppable athlete, which is a crazy. That's like Kurt Angle combination, but. It's one thing like, oh, you're an Olympian and gold medalist. Yeah, that's one thing. Can you be, can you do what we do? Most people cannot. And there's that twinkle in his eye that makes me think he can, but you have to start fresh. Uh, you will be a little bit humbled one way or another. I, I don't know if he thinks like, oh, uh, I'll just be Brock Lesnar. I'll come in on a jet, punch somebody in the face and throw him through a wall and hop back on a jet and come home. I think you need to, you, uh, it might be a little bit humbling coming from this unstoppable gold medalist uh, with everything to gain going, Oh, I got to get down and dirty and gritty and be able to protect myself in the ring, watch my back in a locker room. And he doesn't have so much the don't trust anybody. You have the great coaches around you, but he, he will. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching him progress. I want to see him start training. I want to see him pick it up as fast as Kurt Angle did to where everyone notorious is like, he got it so fast. He gets it. And you go, that just makes me excited for the business and for someone coming from wrestling. You're like, yeah, I'm rooting for this guy. And then when he gets to WrestleMania or he earns that spot and does all these matches, I look forward to kick him in the face. You know, Graves <laughs> just basically called him out on social media and challenged him Shut to a up. match. That's what I read. He basically said, come <laughs> to Raw, I want to fight you. Yeah, half the internet I thought I was you. challenging him. I was just saying congratulations. Hey, come to Raw. I'd like to, to watch you do what you do. Dolph, I, I got to ask you, you're a guy who has amateur credentials, like many superstars do now. But being down there in NXT and, and with a lot of young talent trying to find themselves, not only in the ring, but in front of the camera and sort of finding that that X factor, that what separates you from, okay, yeah, I'm a legit badass, but how do I become exciting? How do I connect with the fans? Was there a moment for you when you were coming up that you went, okay, I might be able to pin this guy for real very easily, but that's not what this is about. Yeah. It's uh, at first. And and I was a fan since five. So th this is what, what killed me was I watched what happened. I, I watched from five years old on. And then in amateur wrestling, I've had my shoulder come out of place in a, in a conference finals match with a minute to go and go, you got to go. Everything's fine. Have your trainer come over and pop back in and not like show your opponent that like, Oh, my arm just came out and I can't use it for the next 90 seconds. Hopefully I can still win to rip Rogers training you to take a, a hammer lock behind your back and show all four sides of an arena, how badly it hurts you. And then I went, I am going to embrace this. I didn't understand it at first. And I would catch myself like someone does something to you and you're like, you're just like locked in and you go, you have to loosen up. But I mean, that takes time no matter what. But I got into that Rip Rogers, the someone's got my arm. Let me show all four sides of the arena. 
what is happening because that was from the era of you don't have the giant trons and the screens. You're just watching a match and you're in, might be in the cheap seats. You want to be able to feel that emotion too. So uh, that was a problem for me the first couple months. And I remember Briscoe uh, coming and saying, they love you. They love your work ethic. They love everything that you're doing, but you're not coming out of your shell and like feeling this moment. And then it was very, uh, very in at the time to want to look like Randy Orton. Cause then he was like the youngest champion, something short, black hair, black trunks, not show any emotion. And then just wreck people. And you go, I'm 5'11, 195 pounds. I'm not wrecking anybody here, but how can I stand out? And it was like, I'll dye my hair blonde. I'll wear pink trunks. Cause I don't give a damn. Cause everyone else trying to look up. No one wants to sell. I am going to sell eight sides of this friggin' arena and everyone's going to be talking about it. <laughs> and then you go, and then all of a sudden people want to work with you because you're one of your, you know, you're, you're not, you're giving up a little, you're giving your body to them. And it's, man, there's, of course, there is a give and take of it. Like you still don't want to just get flopped around like a fish, have it mean something. But I was very much in the Mr. Perfect of like, I am going to stand out. I'm probably going to lose. It's probably going to be four minutes, but I am going to stand out to where everyone wants to work with me. And that's kind of, I feel like I've stuck with that the whole way. You're talking about trying to reach and do things out of the box early on in your career. This opportunity in NXT, are you doing any of that? Are you trying new things in the ring? Are you trying to branch out and reinvent yourself for lack of a better term? Yeah. And it's, it's really like to be able to talk about it with you guys, like get to NXT and they go, you have 19 minutes and you've never wrestled this guy before. Okay, great. Let's roll around. Let's feel each other out. Now I can start opening like, Oh, you remember this? Remember when I wrestled Kofi for the United States championship 12 years ago and we did for 30 minutes, we did all these different counters and, I, and then you can start bringing, you have time to bring those pieces back. And now with, with breaker, I've been watching a lot of like Shawn Michaels undertaker stuff or uh, my awesome match with Goldberg at SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it sounds to me like you, you've obviously embraced your role throughout the duration of your career. And you have had the highest of highs. I was in New Jersey the night you cashed in money in the bank. And to this day, one of the loudest crowd reactions I have ever felt. And it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it because it was so much fun and it was so different, but you've also tasted the other end of the spectrum, but you've kept your perspective and, and this show off persona to your point is I'm going to go out there and whatever I'm given, I'm going to do the hell out of it. I'm going to do it better than anybody else. How do you maintain that mentality? Because as we all know, we all talk in the locker room. We see each other, you know, in the cars, on the road. And frustration is an inevitable part of this business and even this company. You don't always get to do what you want to do. How have you maintained a level head during all these years? It's not even you don't always get to do what you want to do. It's you rarely get to do what you want to do. And you will might be a champion one day. And then the next day you're not on the show and you go, what did I do? It's show business. It's what have you done for me lately? One day you're hot, one day you're not. And you're like, I got these ideas. Everybody's reacting to me in the crowd. Why am I not on the show? And you will drive yourself mad because sometimes it's not personal. It's like, we need to do, get this Roman Brock story on. This is the part. And we got to need you. This is this. And you're going to have to sacrifice a few other pieces. And a lot of times two thirds of the roster is being sacrificed. And you go, that's going to be you no matter whether you're new or old. But uh, when you get a high once in a while, it almost makes it worthwhile because you trucked along and two years went by or a year went by and you didn't even get a win anywhere. And you're like, what am I still doing here? And I thought, oh, well, the checks keep coming. Okay, I'll keep coming. Yeah, that helps. But, <laughs> yeah. Like, they never missed one check. So I, I appreciate that. But it, you go, when I have to defend myself to my mom, I'm like, listen, I don't know why I'm not doing this. I did this part. I did this part. 
I got hugged when I came in the back from my match of how great it was. And the next week you're not used and you go, what? And then months, months and years will go by for someone who I'm not even speaking about me, someone who will one day be champion or one day be main event WrestleMania to where you're just not part of the show. And you go, I deserve to be, what the hell is going on here? And it, you'll drive yourself mad. And then every couple months I got to go wrestling sucks. I hate our show. I don't watch it. I'll show up and get my check. And I started using that as a, as a character, like right. on social media, like, I don't care. I don't watch who, who cares. Uh, I'll show up and get paid as much as all of my opponents in the ring combined have fun cheering for them because WWE told you to or whatever. You know, <laughs> you know that that's a mindset we talk about though with NXT. We talked about it before you came on of that hunger drive, trying to stay focused, that inside gut burning feeling of wanting to be a part of that show. NXT, for all intents and purposes, they're all going into a something they never experienced before, an arena. You know, is there anyone, any advice that you've given some of these NXT talent that have come up to you about, hey, it's going to be a little bit different, and here's why? Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, for all the other interviews, that's my go-to for Breaker is he's got fans behind him. He's got the family. He's got, like, the tradition. He loves it. He's excited. But when his music hits, he's going to walk out and be like, oh, whoa, this is a different thing. He's used to a couple of hundred people who know him being ready. And it's like, you step out there. I've, I've gone on to Mania 10 years into the business, went out for Mania. My music was like the, uh, the first of a ladder match. And I walked out, I was like so excited. And it takes two seconds for all the emotion and voice to hit you. And you go, whoa, what the hell is this? And you take it in and it, you, it blows your mind. You're like, this is real. And you get goosebumps. And it's like, this is unreal. And, and that's what I've been telling to Breaker in real, uh, you know, backstage, be ready for that. I know you're focused on this. I know you're intense and I know you want to have a good match, but man, embrace that and, and take it all in and then put it out of your mind because you got to focus on this match because I mean, I'll be carrying him over my shoulder on my back, but we also need him to, to, you know, when it's time to explode and go do it. And when it's time to sit there and absorb and feel that emotion that is so rare to get, enjoy it as much as you can and just feel it and live in the moment. Do you still get to do that after all these years, after all these miles, do you still get those moments where you can lay there and think we did it? I got it. It's, it's very, I was saying before, like raw is tricky, but man, it, it, you do get those moments. It wasn't the 70,000 people, but it was like WWE. Anytime the bad guy wins, it's because the good guy did all the work and the bad guy sneaks in. And I love that. And I watched Ciampa hit two finishing moves and I like pushed him out of the ring and I could feel the crowd going, this is how you screw them. This is how you do it. And I jumped on top and at 2.9 breaker kicked and I go, oh, that was beautiful. That's the art that we're missing. That is, that is the piece where you rarely have the time to go. That I, I lay there and I think I said to one, I go, that was beautiful. Oh, it was my favorite thing because they could just sense it. You could feel the route and it's 400 people and they go, we know this is how it goes. And you don't do it. You're like, oh, nothing better than that. It's funny to hear you put it so eloquently because when I was competing in the ring, that was my favorite thing as a bad guy was I love getting beat because after the count of three, yeah. you get that immediate, okay, we did it. Okay, that yeah. was mission accomplished or on to the next thing. It, it, do you rely on, I, I think a lot of, I think a lot of superstars feel that. And that's what actually drives you and, and dro drove me. 
more so than the glory of, oh, hey, I'm the champion. Look at me. Look at me pose right. with my new title. It's it's the small victories throughout the duration of a matchup. And I've never heard it put as well as you just did. It really is, man. I uh, some the most fun stuff is is these little pieces in between, and it's not because uh, it's twenty years worth or bitter or over it. It's I know you have to earn these pieces, and you rarely get a chance to. But when you do, it, it's it's like a work of art. And I, I will do one more one more about me that I love was cashing in the money in the bank. Whatever, everyone loves that. That's awesome. Originally, that was supposed to be. I hit Del Rio with the briefcase five times and pin him. Oh. I go, please, guys, I lose every night. And since I got this briefcase, I've lost twice a night. Let <laughs> me take them on a two-minute roller coaster ride and have it all make sense. And I, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, i got to go a little deep into it because there is a story, and it's beautiful. You cash in, beat the hell out of an injured baby face, an injured right. good guy. First of all, they're cheering me already. Got it. Totally understand. Cool guy. Not supposed to root for me. Got it smacking him with a briefcase with an already broken ankle. This is beautiful. I hit a famous Serrano. They go, we witnessed a new champion. That's cool. This is fun. One, two, kick out. And then you get to sit there for a second. So as I'm frustrated, you give them a chance to go like, oh, my God, he kicked out. And then go, oh, right, it's Dolph. They're probably going to school. They're probably going to – he's the one guy who gets a shot on an injured guy, and they screw him over one more time. And then you let them feel that, and then they go, those you gotta be kidding me and then we slowly get to am i gonna get him and i get kicked in the head and i'm out cold and he crawls over and hooks a leg and you can feel it or see it the guy goes i can't believe they wouldn't even let him beat an injured guy 2.9 kick out like <laughs> yes and you get to lay there and they go he lives for one more day what and now they don't know are they screwing Dolph over is he going to weasel one out? What the hell is going to happen? And I'm laying, I'm like, this is, it's, it's our version of a work of art. And it's all in a minute 45 or 220, whatever the hell it is. And then finally, we slowly come up and we're feeling him. And I go for something and he puts out his finisher on me and I'm doing my thing. And they go, no, no, no. Oh my God. I cannot believe an injured guy beat up by a briefcase. That's a, a good guy is going to be like, oh, I can't believe it. And he had a hurt ankle from the match and he couldn't lock it all the way. And I worked on that part and I go, and so I'm telling a story of our match and a roller coaster and putting in that he has a hurt ankle and I'm ripping that off. And that's because we, so the long-term storytelling and the short-term is all there. And then I rip it off. And before anything happens, we're just laying there and starting to come up and they get it. They go, this is it. This is it. And then when it happens, they go nuts, but there's still 10% of them going, is he going to kick out of his finisher? Because that's how I would do it if I was screwing Dolph again. And he doesn't. And the place goes insane. And I just felt it hit me. It was unreal. Uh, e, AJ and I, we just hugged for real, real emotion like I did win this Olympic gold medal. We all did this. This happened. And then you get to the back and then it starts to die down a little bit. But there, there is that real emotion that you can't replicate. You can't force. Or if somebody who's 500 and 0 wins the title again, it's like that emotion isn't there from the crowd or yourself or everyone backstage. 
I wonder how many people now are going WWE on Peacock to relive that moment themselves. That was unbelievable, man. I, I, I was still in developmental at the time, and I, I remember just being backstage going, oh, my God, that is the loudest response from a crowd I had ever been present for to that point. So was- I've never, and I, I used to watch Raw at 8.59 just so I could see the fireworks and probably hear the glass break for Austin come out and go, yes! And I go, I've never heard anything like that in my life. And it was because not only did I got to, I got to steal one and become champ, they were told basically through television, like, don't care about this guy. Don't root for him. And they did anyway. And they're like, we did this. And it was like, they really did. Like they were the, the crowd was part of it and not in like in an ironic way, like doing chants or bullshit. like, well, he's really good. Okay. Oh, I had a great moment because then I was able to go on a on cue sports radio in Cleveland and say, "Hey, Cleveland has a world champion Finally, once again." <laughs> what a shirt, man! You wearing the buzzard, yeah? Brown's version of the buzzard, even. Yeah, yeah, I got the I got the boat thing. Graves doesn't know. The only thing Graves loves about Cleveland is me and Major League. Oh, just Major League. I mean, uh, no, no, and me Dolph, and Major I'm, League. I'm a Dolph fan. I'm a fan we'll of Dolph's Dolph brother. Uh, I mean, actually, I like a lot about Cleveland, you being the exception. That's uh, not fair <laughs> or true. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Dolph's brother, but you can go on. <laughs> Before I let you go, I got to ask you, m- more recently, the focal point of your career has been alongside Bobby Roode. A guy yeah. who's been a journeyman. He had he was NXT champion, uh, but but Bob's been around the world three or four times in his tenure. And now the, the pair of you were sort of thrown together haphazardly. Didn't really seem on the surface like it was going to go anywhere. But you guys have both leaned into the tag team role as the Dirty Dogs. You guys have been champions now, and week after week, and I mean this from the best best way you can possibly take it. At worst. When you guys are on screen, it's going to be fine. At worst. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean that from a from a professional standpoint, you guys yeah. are two mechanics, for lack of a better term, these days. But how did that come to be where you guys really have become a tag team? Down to the gear, to the presentation, you you really grew as a, as a cohesive unit. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure it was we were just thrown together. Um, it was like, oh, these guys have been around. We have a bunch of like I may, maybe after a draft or something they go oh we have a bunch of young tag teams well let's put Root and, and Ziggler together and then they could do live events teach do better I'm pretty sure we were thrown together but not just two names out of a hat it was like these two guys can make sure no matter what's happening as we're building the tag team division or not building the tag team division no matter what it will be fine I was never really part of a tag team before this. And Rude, Rude had done his own thing, tag stuff, and his own thing here. And so he'd done, he had done both. Uh, and then I go, I like that we're like two hired guns because we kind of are to, to wrestle these tag team guys. And, uh, you know, we don't really have like, we're not a team, whatever. And then slowly we go, after two years, I go, clearly we're a team. We're in this <laughs> together. We, we know what each other's thinking. We could always have something ready to go. I go. We're going to have to start wearing some gear and get a name and uh, very easy to steal from Zack Ryder, his favorite New Kids on the Block, third album song, Dirty Dog, throw it together, <laughs> my favorite bar in, in Scottsdale, done and done, no matter what. Is there a level of satisfaction to you because of your point of, of you and Bobby being put in charge of building the tag team division? I would go on the record and say in the past six months or so, especially on Raw, the tag team division has never been hotter. You've got now high profile, you know, there was the stigma for years that WWE doesn't care about tag teams. It's never a priority. Yet for a semi-regular, a regular period of time now, 
Raw is kicking off with tag team segments. You've got, yeah. you know, RK Bro. You've got American Alpha. You've got the Street Profits. They've got their triple threat at WrestleMania. But that is due in no small part to the work that you and Bobby have put in. Does that resonate with you? Is that something you're consciously aware of? Yeah, a, a little bit, yes. Uh, and, and we do. Once in a while, we're like, all of a sudden, you'll see we're, we're getting the tag team division going. Great. And it's for a couple of weeks, and then you don't really hear about it for a while. But now, the, yeah, the last three, four months, Red hot, man. Whether we're in the match or not, Gable and Otis, I, I am loving those two together. And I, I love them in a different direction. And I'm partial to them because they're shooting bad guys. You know, they're shooters. Watching those two kick off Raw three or four times in a row with whatever they're doing with RK Bro. And I go, people, it's secretly because in their heads are like, why aren't they wrestling for 45 minutes? No, no, no. This is character development stuff that you can't, man, you can't get this in a year, what they've done in three months. And it's beautiful, and it gives them something other than, oh, we can get an ankle lock, or Otis can break somebody in half. You're seeing these two on the mic. I love Gable on the mic, and he's a freaking Olympian, but seeing a character other than we know he's good, we know he's Jack, that character development secretly goes along with the Street Profits, which we know they can talk, we know they can go. RK, bro, obviously they can talk and go. And now you're like, oh, right. It's this awesome tag team division all of a sudden because the characters are there backed up with the rest like you made a great point kicking off raw a couple different times with tag team wrestling is unheard of but it makes sense because it's going so great so i, I i'm looking forward to those i love all uh all three of those teams i like those guys i really thought the dirty dogs and the prophets we, we wrestled so many times on raw but i really thought we were going to get some live event stuff and get some time in with those guys and accidentally over the last two years we have and I, I hope that is shoved them a little bit farther just to be a little bit smarter and better because uh, we love working with those guys. So I'm looking you know, forward to that talking, triple threat. We've talked about Montez Ford leaping off the screen and what he can do, Unreal. what his career could be in a, in a few years as well. I mean, it's, it's cool to watch. You're almost like the chameleon of the WWE. You can go singles. You can be happy. You can be angry. You can do tags. You can go 40 minutes. You can go four seconds. Right. Uh, it, it's weird. Uh, I, I feel like, that's why I'm still employed, which is great. Uh, fair enough. But it, 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 and there is that tiny little thing in the back of people's heads where even if I'm not featured exclusively, a couple weeks goes by and then all of a sudden it's, well, it's Roman Reigns versus Dolph Ziggler in the main event for the title. And you go, oh, okay, maybe. Other than someone who's like, this guy's not even on TV. We're not invested in it. We don't know. I can be in that spot. So being able to do any of those things and it's like, be serious right now. Or have a, a funny thing while Otis is eating cake and laugh or something. You go, okay, great. And being, you, know, you have to be a renaissance man or woman in the business now just to survive. But to be able to be, I could fight for the world title in a couple of weeks and it wouldn't be a crazy thing. It would be like, oh, okay, yeah. I feel like that investment of putting in the time, putting in the work. And I mean, I think I've missed like three or four weeks of work in 17 years. Like, get the hell out of here. So, obviously, we've got NXT Stand and Deliver coming up. You're going to defend your, your championship against Braun Breaker. We just talked about the spectacular career that you've had thus far. What's left for Dolph Ziggler? What keeps you going beyond the paycheck uh, to show up and show out and be the show-off this deep into your career? Even when I do say, I'm like, oh, I'm here for the check, whatever, I, I try and put it out of my mind. But even when I'm sitting at home, like, turn off wrestling, don't care, I'm going to relax and read my backyard. And five, five pages into reading, I'm just like, I wonder if Breaker could do that screwdriver that Scott Steiner does. <laughs> the Steiner screwdriver. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, 
I wonder if there's a reason that we could, and, and then all of a sudden it's two hours of me plotting pieces of how the story could work to get us to that, to take it away, to give it to that. And so it, even when I go, you guys, I'm turning myself off. See you on Monday. Don't care. I can't not try and make some story happen in my head. I can't stop thinking that way. So that's probably why it all ends up being, even if it's 90 seconds, some kind of a story. You can't turn it off. <laughs> are you a pacer? Do you pace when you think when you're at home? Nonstop. If I'm, like, if it's not one of the signs where I'm reading outside, turned off. No joke. It's I'm here before a stand-up show, before our 90 second match or our 20 minute match. I'm just, I'm just going like this. Okay, got it. Got it. This. Okay. Can't stop. I came to DZ and friends one time. You were doing that, and then you said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." The beer's over there, and you just kept walking. <laughs> okay, I guess he's not happy to see me. I guess okay. You mentioned you mentioned the stand-up aspect of your life, which is something I know is very, very dear to you. Am I, am I incorrect in thinking that you have an event WrestleMania week? Big show, brother. Thursday night, six o'clock happy hour time. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. I like that. Um, maybe five, six years ago, there was one or two shows at WrestleMania on the, on the outside people doing comedy shows, maybe a big Foley thing. Now it is jam packed weekends. Like 4 PM. I'm going to this six o'clock. I'm going to this. Nine o'clock, I'm going to R Truth's concert. Ten o'clock, I'm going to Zach Ryder. Like, there's all these different things going on. And I said, let me weasel one in at like my old guy, 41 years old, 6 p.m., 7:30, we're done. Go to then go to that eight o'clock wrestling show you want to see. Then go to the nine o'clock uh R Truth concert. Then go to this other thing. And uh I I I love any chance to get a rep in. You need five thousand reps to figure out what your voice is and that you're not just ripping off David Spade, like I feel like I'm doing all the time. And it's just, uh, and I'm at like 60 reps. So I will pace around and do fake reps in my backyard, but you can only get them on the stage. So I make people sit through my 20 minutes of stand up if they want a picture with me. Well, if you're around in Dallas, make sure you check out Dolph Ziggler at his comedy show. But most importantly, WrestleMania Saturday, kicking off the entire weekend at NXT Stand and Deliver. Dolph, Thank you so much for your time, man. You're always welcome here on ATB. I love these chats. We are, I talk ad nauseum about the, the conversations we get to have in TV Locker on Mondays right. and how yeah. I cherish those forever. And to this day, I still learn more from guys like you and Rude and MVP and Edge in that locker room. That It's it's a true Rhodes scholarship in this business. And I, so I need to thank you for that. I, I appreciate it. That is that, that TV locker room. I mean, MVP telling stories or you're getting some insight from somebody else on something that's it's uh it's, that is a huge part of the business that I, I try and pass on. Like when Breaker comes up at some point, he's not going to be allowed in the TV locker room right away, obviously. <laughs> but like one day when you get there, you can talk about the business and learn some stuff. And it's like, okay, I got it. Yeah, I, I love that. That's that's my favorite part of the day is catching up on everything and seeing what everyone's talking about in the locker room. Well, mine too, man. So let's not wait too long to catch up back again here on ATB. Dolph Ziggler, good luck this weekend, man. Uh, hopefully, I want this match with Breaker I mean, it, it kind of kicks off the weekend. I want everybody to go, holy that stole the show. I hope WrestleMania can catch up. And trust me when I say that's what I'm plotting for. That was an absolutely awesome conversation. I absolutely love picking Dolph Ziggler's brain every Monday. Getting to sit down and chat properly was a blast. I have no doubt NXT Stand and Deliver will kick off WrestleMania the right way. And after hearing Dolph, probably steal the show. Definitely set the bar for a colossal, stupendous two-night WrestleMania. 
There's a lot more to get to, but we're out of time, Vic. Uh, I just want to shout out Kevin Owens for his epic troll job of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about next week. But until then, you can follow us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find Vic at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, more WWE, WWE after the bell. After the bell. You're terrible. <laughs>